Hi everyone, Keegan here. Up ahead, we have a really fun and lighthearted episode reviewing Magic Mike XXL. As frequent listeners know, last week we had a great review and discussion about Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon, where we highlighted the positive move Hollywood has made in supporting Asian American representation in film. I wanted to take a moment to talk about something I feel passionately about that is currently happening within the Asian American community. Violence against Asians has been on the rise since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, specifically attacks targeting elders and women. This week's shootings at Atlanta-based Asian massage parlors are devastating and have taken a heavy toll on our community. I personally found myself infuriated not only by the event, but with local law enforcement's unwillingness to accept this as a hate crime and their statements on behalf of the killer's motives. In the way we as a film podcast encourage the opportunity to support Asian Americans in film, so too should we support the Asian American community at large. Thankfully, my employer matches donations to certain nonprofits, and I would encourage you to see if this is an option that is available to you. I will be donating to the nonprofits Stop AAPI Hate, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, and Hashtag Hate is a Virus. Links to those organizations, as well as documentation on how to best support the Asian American community during this time can be found in this week's show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support of our show. Please enjoy the episode. We good to go? All right. It's Tay Week, baby. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Taylor Moan, back with another episode of Rotating Reels. With me are my co-hosts. I'm Long John Shivers, uh, joining for uh, another week. Hey everyone, this is Tranosaurus Pex. And this week we're going to be reviewing Magic Mike XXL. I think we can all say, it's safe to say, one of the greatest movies ever made in human history. A real cultural artifact. So this is a B week, which means we're reviewing a movie that one of us loved. Um, in this case, it's me. And uh, we have a little switch up here. Normally next week we do an A week, which is a new release, but uh, there's not much out there right now. So we're going to go ahead and do another B week next week and we'll let you know what uh, that movie's going to be at the end. So before we jump into Magic Mike XXL, let's go over what we've been watching. Um, Long John Shivers, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I had a kind of a moderate watch week this week. I uh, got some TV in got a couple movies in um so on the tv front uh you know just keeping up to date on the bob's burgers you know how can i not i'm such a big fan they're releasing new episodes (laughs) i'm I'm just waiting for that monday release and this week it was good um it's always good but this week it was still good um and other than that (laughs) i uh went back and watched some like real old bob ross videos um you know like season one and two of joy of painting um and uh you know it holds up man man can paint um so um you know i don't, I don't think i have anything bad to say about bob ross and if, if i did i think i would keep it to myself so overall i i'm still enjoying <laughs> the joy of painting and that's been good um but yeah other than that not a ton playing on my tv i finished all the forged in fire that was available to me that was a big big blow to morale um oh no yeah. but uh 
so yeah, just been you know Bob Ross and Bob's Burgers until something new catches my eye. Um, but on to movies. Uh, I watched two last night, actually. Um, and I, I, I watched Magic Mike the night before, and I was like, okay, I have another day before filming. I can get a couple more in. So I watched two last night. Um, the first one is kind of a classic. It was uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is like a 1966 nice. black comedy drama sort of thing and i i you know it, it was a a movie that i wasn't super sure about going in um it, it Haley recommended it and she like wouldn't tell me why she'd recommended it until after so i was like i don't know it's it's kind of old and it doesn't seem to be a horror movie but i'll you know i'll <laughs> let her pick a movie this week um and i actually ended up enjoying it uh more than i expected to like it's like kind of raunchy in a way that i didn't expect for like a 66 movie um it's actually got kind of like surprisingly dynamic camera work like they have people like moving in and out of focus at different parts throughout the film they have they have a number of moving shots um so it actually watches like a pretty modern film i think like the uh the script kind of watches like one of those old movies that feels like almost kind of stage production -y, you know lots of long melodramatic speeches um but they, they managed to make it uh, more entertaining than I tend to expect from that sort of a movie. So overall, enjoyed it. Um, and then after we watched it, Haley revealed to me that the reason she had recommended it was apparently that film served as the inspiration for a famous episode of The Office known as Dinner Party that I've seen many times because I've seen The Office many times oh. because, you know, I, I grew up in, in the day and age that I did. Um, but so anyway, I've seen <laughs> Dinner Party many times, and I totally get, like, where that inspiration's coming from. Like, once once she said that to me, it just totally clicked. Um, so, you know, I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, but, you know, if you like Dinner Party, you might actually enjoy Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It might be an old black and white one that you can get some joy out of. And then after that, I was like, okay, let's get something, you know, a bit less uh, classy and classic. Um, and we threw on Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. But uh, the, the, the core premise of it is that uh, Freddy's coming for the actors from the first movie. So, like, Robert England is in the movie as himself. And there's, like, it seems <laughs> like Robert England being like, no, Freddy's not real. It's like a costume I put on. And it, it, no, it, it wasn't the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I, I actually, like, dozed off at one point in it because we started watching it pretty late. And, you know, I, I'd, like, had a beer, which can put you right to sleep. Um, so, you know, like, I... I, I don't know if I'd say it was, like, the most gripping of those movies. But, you know, fun to put on if you want a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street. You want to see some some uh, Robert England uh, in in his natural state, not in his gored-up state. Um, so, overall, <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, not necessarily something I'd recommend to someone that hasn't seen, like, the other Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Because they're, they're just better than it. Um, but overall pretty fun and that was the the uh last movie that i watched this week uh you know other than that it was just magic mike for me and you know nice. nothing was going to beat it so <laughs> <laughs> classic hank week all right well uh tyrannosaurus pex what'd you get up to this week <laughs> uh pretty light i <clears throat> i don't know how you guys feel about this every time since we started the podcast when i have a week that i don't watch too much i feel guilty by the time of recording i'm like oh god i know 
Taylor's gonna have watched an entire new series. <laughs> Hank has played an- another entire Yakuza game, and I have nothing to bring to the table. Uh, it's the last week. I was we recorded at a weird time because I was stressed out trying to finish up uh, studying for a final, and so I, I kept telling myself as soon as I'm on break, I have two weeks off. I'm gonna watch so much. I had an entire backlog. I was planning to talk about just rant about Zack Snyder's new Justice League cut just go bananas on it and i didn't do any of that so i watched a handful of things but still relatively light uh the first thing is i watched a new stand-up special from nate bragazzi um he is a kind of uh, he's a smart guy but he his bit is that he pretends that he's pretty dumb uh he has a special called tennessee kid that i would definitely recommend starting with and uh this new special is pretty interesting because it was filmed post-covid so he's in L- he's in Las Vegas. Um, they're recording at an outside venue. Um, everyone in the audience is wearing masks and seated at very spaced out tables. And periodically throughout the recording, he stops to let helicopters fly over. <clears throat> uh, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like lots of shows have done COVID specials. And I just don't give a shit about watching things that like, actively <laughs> call out how weird the world is right now. And I love Nate Bragazzi as a comedian, but a good 30 to like, like probably about a third of his act is just like, wow, what a wacky year 2020 was. I get it. Like if it's 2025 and I've, you know, had some distance and I'm licking doorknobs as I usually do and not worrying about <laughs> COVID. Like, these observations would be fun and cute, but in 2021, when we're all living it, it's, like, it's just really, really draining. And seeing people laugh through masks while seated, you know, 10 feet apart from the next party is just really, really down, if anything. Like, it really pulls away from the experience. So, overall, I think he's still a fun comedian, but I just did not enjoy the special at all. Um have you guys seen Nate Bragassi's stuff I haven't, but uh, to be completely honest, you talking about it being, like, largely a COVID skit, that, like, ugh, I, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm like, I, I don't need to hear about it. I, I see it all the time, every day. <laughs> like, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't yeah, seen I haven't one of my friends either. since last March, so let's just, let's not focus on it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um... Other than that, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, is a new Marvel MCU uh, series on Disney Plus that just had its first episode this week. Uh, it's going to be more of a limited series, only six episodes, whereas WandaVision had nine, I think, <laughs> which is crazy because we're now living in a time where, given the new, like the amount of titles that Marvel has released, there is not a single week that goes by that there's not something new Marvel related. So there was an episode of WandaVision every single week. And in the one-week hiatus between WandaVision and the new Falcon and Winter Soldier, we got a special feature about WandaVision. So, I mean, Marvel's just pumping stuff out right now. Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's good. It's fun. I like that the runtime's a little bit longer. I'm not enjoying it as much as WandaVision, which was a little more, like, on the surreal, kind of, like, subversive meta, talking about, like... uh, old tv comedies whereas this is very much just like if you like jack ryan if you like 24 i think this is like very much up your alley and a much more like straightforward marvel experience still well made it's fun to see that like movie budget trickling down into something that goes straight to a streaming service um so i'm going to continue watching it obviously but um not as great as wandavision and then oh sorry go ahead 
I we I don't want to talk about it right now, but I, at some point I want to talk about that kind of shift that we're talking about of just so much media because. You know, if you're if they later try to do like I don't know an Avengers movie or something, and they they're trying to pull plot points from all these different series, like I'm probably not going to have seen all of them, you know. And it may like it may make it more difficult for them to do those big tie-ins. But that's just we can mm-hmm. we can get into this. we should have a separate podcast and I'm just talk about well no and what's I mean like Hank on. was saying that he, like Hank in last episode was saying he was super stoked for Doctor Strange too, but there's no way you can watch Doctor Strange two without watching WandaVision, Doctor Strange what like it's I mean these movies are like mirroring the comics in that like it's crazy there's a million things going on you have to have a lot of homework done going into each movie so i don't know if general audiences are going to like that it's fun if you have like i mean we run a movie podcast and spend a lot of our time (laughs) consuming this media so like we have that kind of time but it's i mean it's it's definitely different than what the original approach was of just like hey here's iron man robert die jr's back Mm -hmm. you know yeah well and hank and i were before you in the pre-show before you jumped on keegan um, we're talking about there's a lot of good stuff, like high budget stuff getting produced, but it just gets drowned out in the marketing. So there's stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you and you and Hank stay on top of all this a lot better than I do. But I feel like even for you guys, you must be, you know, gems slipping through the cracks just because of the amount of media getting produced now. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I barely caught Minari. I mean, stuff like uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday, like most of the small ag series. It's I mean, it's it's insane to try to keep up on this, uh, you know. Well, for our I, listeners, I, that's, that's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> to that's, guide you through this. That's why Keegan's here anyway. He guides me, too. So, yeah. And to a lesser degree, he, he guides me, though. Uh, he doesn't have all the horror news I want all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's a development goal for 2021. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, one more thing that I watched this week, um, I feel like there's there's been some dissent about Disney. I think whenever I bring up like Disney or Star Wars, like Taylor always is, is not super hot on, on Disney as a company. Um, but one thing that I do really, really love about Disney and Disney Plus specifically is that they're one of the only streaming services that offer just like a metric shit ton amount of special features relative to like Netflix or Hulu. And like, we're all kind of on this break-even point of... Like we were born into like pre, you know, pre-Gen Z era. I think all three of us were born before the internet was a big thing. I really loved when DVD releases had like extensive special features lists. Like it was one of the best parts of going through and watching. There would be these hours of documentaries, like Lord Mm. of the Rings, right? That's a great example of like hours and hours of behind the scenes stuff. You just never know about the production from watching the movie and I think like actually enhanced the experience of watching the core movie. Um, and so Marvel's one of those companies, or excuse me, Disney's one of those companies that like really pushes that. So they released this new um, short doc. It's about an hour long. It's called um, uh, Marvel's Assembled WandaVision. It's like about an hour long. It's a short documentary all about the behind the scenes of making WandaVision. And don't watch it unless you've seen the series. There's a lot of spoilers. But it gives some really cool insights into how they filmed it. I think, like, they show the cinematography of, like, you know, hey, we're doing a Dick Van Dyke episode. We're going to actually find vintage lenses from the 1950s and 1960s and use those. And they had a live studio audience to give the real feel and make the actors feel like they were performing on a stage. Um, So just some really cool stuff that you wouldn't know about the show otherwise. Um, You know, it's just basically thrown in the special features of WandaVision is something else to to watch alongside. So I really enjoyed it. It's a short commitment. I think it's about like 70 minutes long. Um, if you have Disney Plus, it's a, it's a must watch after you finish WandaVision. 
wow okay yeah that don't be saying positive things about disney man come on don't do that to me <laughs> they just they just raised the price on disney plus by like one dollar it hasn't even been out a year never mind i'm not gonna get into it not gonna get into it <laughs> uh okay what what has what has taylor moan been watching this week um i have watched not much another light week for me i um one little gem though was the i know you guys said you didn't want to talk about covid but i watched the south park uh covid vaccination special because i haven't watched any south park in years and years and so put it on and i was delighted um made fun of everybody every opinion including my own i felt personally attacked at some moments and i loved it um and then that got me down the rabbit hole so i watched their uh the epidemic special that they did that was also great i forgot that mr garrison became donald trump so that was i mean that alone is the price of admission and actually the, the the vaccination special the they have you know one of those disclaimers they've had a disclaimer for you know the 20 years they've been doing it um, but it's a different one now and part of what it says is uh this program you know makes fun of different racial stereotypes <laughs> these stereotypes were wrong then and they're wrong now which is great because it just came out so it's you know just in the first three seconds it's already hilarious so i actually ended up watching the the whole last season before mm. those two specials um and it was it was great it just it's very political in a way that i mean south park's always had politics but it wasn't the core message at least what i remember um and that's it's all politics now so that's a little frustrating but you know it's the times we live in and i love their irreverent take on everything so some nice humor if you're looking for that um and then i watched more time team watched some archaeologists <laughs> dig up some stuff and that's just a nice relaxing it's it's so great sometimes they don't find anything and like okay well how about we drink medieval beer the way they made it at the very end <laughs> to celebrate and i'm like that's awesome guys that's great there's never any there's never any tension or arguing they go to like the owner of this ruined castle and they're like hey we know you have this prize-winning garden but we think something might be under it and this little old english lady's like oh tear it up then and they just tear up her whole fucking garden <laughs> with a bulldozer and everyone's happy about it it's it's great and they're all like real professors from like oxford and cambridge and shit so it's it's pretty cool so that's that's i think besides magic mike double xl that's all i uh all i watched this week <laughs> wow light week for both you guys i'm i'm finally coming out on top of this you get to look yeah, down I, on us i know oh for man, once. i thought i thought this <laughs> would carrying your weight <laughs> uh, okay well it's time for the main event magic mike xxl so i'll read the imdb blurp uh three years after mike that's magic mike bowed out of the stripper life at the top of his game he and the remaining kings of tampa hit the road to myrtle beach to put on one last blowout performance whoo i'm i was getting a little hot and heavy even just saying that much <laughs> so do you guys want to do some first impersonations or first uh, first impressions i mean impersonations <laughs> i'll do my dallas here's my matthew mcconaughey <laughs> yeah so was this a movie so both of you had not seen this movie before right nope and i hadn't seen the original either and i still haven't i went into the sequel without seeing <laughs> magic mike you don't need to. It's not. I mean, it, it helps a little bit, but not really. Not not mandatory. So why why wouldn't you guys have watched this before? And are are you happy you watched it now? Well, I, I can answer that. Um, you know, it, it's it's not so much. It's something I wouldn't have watched before if someone had like put it on. 
But, you know, there comes a moment in every movie watching night when you're, you know, looking at what's available to stream. You see Magic Mike, and you're like, maybe. And then you see they have the director's cut of Alien, too. And you're like, okay, we're watching Alien. Um, So anyway, (laughs) that's the reason. I, You know, just other things have always kind of superseded it. But I was thoroughly entertained, and I, I was glad that it was suggested. Keegan? I mean, excuse me, uh, Tyrannosaurus Pex. Tyrannosaurus Pex, uh, as I shall be known. Yeah, I. So I've seen the original movie. I thought the original was really, really great. Um, I didn't take it too seriously. It's Channing. Anything that Channing Tatum is, as far as like the his comedy acting performances, are are pretty straightforward. Um, and I just I didn't think I needed any more. Uh, I was like, you know what? I saw the first one. <laughs> That's I, I get the gist of it. I really liked Matthew McConaughey's performance in it. This like fatherly role of of Dallas is really fun. Uh, and then you know that was it. I was kind of I was I was done from then. Uh, am I happy I watched this movie? Uh, oh okay. We we can get into some of this in spoilers. I was not as enamored by the entire movie watching experience as I assume you two were. Um, there is some amazing showmanship on on display throughout the entire movie uh but basically my thoughts on the movie can be summed up by one jada pinkett smith line which is boys it ain't bro time it's show time get your asses on stage (laughs) essentially (laughs) the entire movie and this this isn't a huge spoiler but the entire movie is the impetus for all of these strippers coming back together is that they're going to do one last show man we're taking our asses back to florida and we're going to do one big show at the convention and it's going to blow minds and then we're all going to go about our lives and do you know whatever it is that we have planned uh the road trip just really did not connect with me and i basically anytime they weren't on stage i was like can we just move on with this and hurry things up and i think maybe that's like the wrong kind of like reductive take from this like I don't. I don't know if it's fair to be like, "Hey, shut up, pretty boy, and and take your clothes <laughs> off." You wanted more magic but, and less Mike. Yeah, and you know, like the best parts about this movie are when they just the camera is completely still. They essentially have like very limited coverage at the shows. They have three camera angles, and they just cut between the best angle at any given time. And the best part about the movie is just watching these dudes absolutely just rock these crowds and perform as god intended for them to do (laughs) and every other scene in the movie i hate to say this but i was on my phone throwing or throughout and i just really could not be bothered to connect much emotionally with these guys so maybe i'm the outlier there but uh, i'm pretty lukewarm on this movie overall so your main criticism was there was not enough male entertainment you yeah, would have had. Maybe. You would have been happy with two hours of dude stripping. <laughs> I think like so. I the final convention is meant to be like an all day thing, and I think if we just had raw, uncut footage of the entire convention, I would have been okay <laughs> with this. And here's here's my hot take. I think we're gonna probably get in fights about this later in in spoilers. Channing Tatum's not a good actor. This is this is most of Channing Tatum's lines. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking for. We need a DJ. Uh. And it's he just kind of stumbles and is awkward throughout every single like bit of dialogue that he has, and it's not convincing. It's just you know I hate to say it, but it's he's more compelling when he's he's in a thong. He's a good and stripper though, right? Exactly. No, he's he's a phenomenal stripper. As an actor, he's yeah, just I, fine. I don't know. Okay. I I think 
I, I don't want to push back. I, I don't want to say he did a great acting job in this movie, but I think there are there are films in his uh you know in his backlog like if you've seen like the Foxcatcher, um you know like he's yeah, got some yeah. roles that he he's done pretty well in. I don't think the script was supporting him here, and I don't think he did that great here. Fair. But I don't know if I'd say it's uh it's representative of his quality as an actor. Also, you know he's such a nice boy. Don't don't talk shit about him, man. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, so I haven't seen The Foxcatcher. I guess, like, my big thing is that the only other big Channing Tatum, like, IP that I'm familiar with is 20, 20, like, the Jump Street movies. And I feel like the best part about him in those movies is him playing off of Jonah Hill. Like, it's their relationship. So when you isolate him, it's like, hey, I wish there was... I wish there was someone else for him to play off of that wasn't this beautiful Greek god, you know? Yeah. But, I I mean, I think that... Even in the Foxcatcher, which is a, obviously a very serious movie, and it's, he's a very serious role, um, it's still you know it's, he's he's not a chameleon, right? He's still doing a, a vibe that it feels natural to him, right? So I don't think anyone's going to say that he's a Daniel Day Lewis or anything, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Daniel Day Lewis does not have the abs. He cannot yeah, I, keep I, up. I just want to say for the record, ninety percent of the shit that was done in this movie i just don't think daniel day lewis is capable of i i (laughs) I, that's my big takeaway he could never suspend himself off of two women's asses while holding up a third i I (laughs) I just can't see it i mean happening and then also also you know there are a number of other acting greats that i think could not have played any of these characters like um anthony hopkins could not have played big dick rich ricky it's just it wouldn't have been possible so i think these guys had a certain something that helped them out although would you guys watch a remake of magic mike xxl starring daniel day lewis and anthony hopkins because i would and and daniel day lewis is such a chameleon we talk about fucking chameleons right i think he might become the greatest male entertainer you ever saw in your life this dude was doing a shakespeare i forget what it was hamlet or something he was on stage and he's got a monologue where the the queen was there this is like the royal theater royal shakespearean theater he was doing a monologue where he's talking to his like dead dad or mom i forget which play it is but he then, as he's doing this before a live audience, for some reason, thought he was talking to his actual dead dad or mom, whichever <laughs> one it was, and started just going totally off script, having a real conversation with a ghost he hallucinated, and then he just walked off the stage and stopped doing their performance. So I think that's the guy that could get into the head of a male entertainer. You know what I mean? He, he can mine those depths. Yeah. So... I, I guess Keegan, the, uh, the the big takeaway from you though is that like the the acting, the plotting of this movie, not its strong points. You think the male entertainment was what we needed more of, and we didn't get enough of it. That that a good summary. Yeah, I mean the movie's a bachelorette party. It's I mean through and through you're just having a wild time, and any time you know we're we're gonna do Molly with the guys in the bus. I I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, oh. you know I. I won't say that I wouldn't have personally enjoyed, you know, two hours of just them doing their show at the end. You know, I would have loved that. I I think anyone that is willing to watch Magic Mike would have loved that. Um, But I will say that I didn't know what to expect from, like, the actual plot of this movie going in. I didn't see the first Magic Mike. I I didn't know any of these characters going in. And I expected it to be, like, a lot douchier than it ended up being. Like, at the end of the day, I was like, okay, so this is a movie 
about some nice boys on a road trip who just want to take their clothes off real good. And, like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be so much less wholesome than that. Like, they're going around, they're hooking up with these lonely older women, you know, that, like, you know, it's clearly a positive experience for everyone involved. Like, they're just, you know, they're, they're making friends along the way. And I just wasn't prepared for it to be as just, like, you know, like, wholesome, like, grandma's soup of a movie as it was. But, like, watching it, like... <laughs> there wasn't anything to like feel really bad about and i've been like it's about male strippers it's going to show us like this the seedy underbelly and like they do like molly once i guess and then like crash a truck in an unrelated incident but other than that the whole movie is just like <laughs> nice boys taking their clothes off real good making friends along the way and uh because of that you know even if it wasn't a super strong plot and the acting wasn't really good like i just went in expecting to be like you know entertained by the stripping and maybe like disinterested to bummed out with the rest but i ended up just feeling kind of like heartwarmed by the whole thing which just was not on the table for me going in um so <laughs> i don't know like i actually ended up really enjoying it though i think it might have been you know not really the movie doing something really great me just expecting something completely different than being like oh this is delightful these uh, i'd hang out with these guys maybe uh probably not but you know you know you get what i'm saying <laughs> yeah no i i when i watched this this movie the i saw it before i saw magic mike um and i had never i knew who channing tatum was but i'd never seen him in anything besides like this is the end where he has like a cameo right so i just always thought he's a pretty guy that's done some you know not you know not, not very serious movies and that's why he's so popular and then I saw this movie, and I didn't know Channing Tatum could dance. Nobody ever told me. I had no clue. So right off the bat, I was already like, okay, this is already subverting my expectations. And then as the movie went on, and I, I want to talk about, I want to get to spoilers real quick here, because Keegan, I want to make the case, excuse me, Tyrannosaurus Pex, I want to make <laughs> the case to you that this movie actually gets into some pretty interesting places, especially around masculinity and sexuality. And I think that it... it did a better job than it was even trying to do like i don't think this was a conscious thing but i think and i want to we get to spoilers I'll, I'll, I'll unravel this because i think that there's some pretty heady stuff going on in this movie that uh got brought along for the ride almost accidentally so any before we go into all that any additional non-spoilery comments you guys want to say for anyone that hasn't no, seen fuck it? That. I, I mean, as far as the non-spoilery <laughs> stuff, like people know what they need to know about this movie. There's going to be a bunch of sexy dudes taking their clothes off real good. Like, you know, like you, you get what it says on the box. I'm curious about like, this, I'm really curious about your viewpoint here. You know, like, let's just get past the non-spoiler stuff. We've said all we can without spoiling it. Kigan, I, okay, I have one quick thing to throw in. Yeah, so after I watched, this is the most unrelated thing, but it's it's it is somewhat tied in. So after I finished the movie, I was like, man, you know what? I the original movie came out, I think in 2012. So like, it's been it's been quite a while since I I watched the original movie. I checked out the trailer, and the entire like premise for the first movie is that Mike is trying to break out. Yeah, I don't want to be part of this lifestyle anymore. I want to go straight. I want to have like a real career. And here's like, here's 3d prints of all the furniture I've designed. I want to be a furniture designer. <laughs> and maybe like design has changed in the eight or nine years since this movie came out, but God, Jesus Christ, the things he designs, <laughs> the furniture that he makes is God awful yes <laughs> one of them is a series of co2 canisters 
propped upright with a piece of glass on top, which he tries to sell off as a coffee table. And it just really stuck out to me as like, if I were someone in the first movie, I would tell Mike, you know, I think you're doing a good thing. You're making people happy and you're making good money. You know, maybe stick to stripping. (laughs) Okay, so. That seems to be your reaction to anything non-stripping related for these guys. Stop talking about your feelings. Take your clothes off. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit horrib- horrified by uh, by your attitudes towards the men in this movie, Keaton. Um, I think, honestly, everything you've said so far in this episode is just a real step back for, like, how we perceive men in media. Like, going back to the Stone Age here, Keegan. But it's a valid point. The furniture he makes is atrocious. Um, it's, yeah, true. It's totally bad. different in this one, right? Like, okay, so... Q Ravehorns are getting into spoilers now. The in the very beginning, some of the furniture he's showing looks like actually well-made wooden furniture. Like I, maybe he progressed away from the CO2 canisters, and I think there was one that was like car rims. He also made into a coffee table in the first one or something. Yep. But that seems to be mostly gone now. We ready to get into the spoilers, gentlemen? Well, I've been ready. I, I'm really curious about your views on like this movie, masculinity, sexuality. Like I, I need to have this unraveled for me. Well, so I'm not going to say this is, you know, a a triumph of movie making. You know, there was the the B plot with Amber Heard barf. um, It felt totally tacked on. We didn't need a love interest for Mike. Right. We had that. And and so, okay. So in the first movie, which, again, you don't need to see for Magic Mike XXL to be fun. But in the first one, he has a love interest and she's the older sister of uh, a new younger dancer who kind of gets talked into dancing by Dallas, I think. Um, who's the owner of this club and this, you know, gentleman's dance troupe. Um, and so the sister is obviously protective of her younger brother. And so she doesn't trust Mike. And then she comes in and sees Mike do the classic performance of Pony. And she's like, now I get it. Now I get what this is about. Um, and so they eventually have a relationship. And it's, you know, the, the, the plotting of the first movie is great, right? We have this, young, this new guy and we learn the business through him. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, makes you think these guys actually did their research on male entertainment because they're spending a lot of time talking about the money, talking about how to get the best tips. Um, and a lot of that, I think it's further developed in this movie in terms of the other dancers, um, you know, feelings and their relationship with people. So we learn in the first movie that you got to ask women questions about themselves. Basically, you're trying to make these women feel like you're interested in them so that they'll give you tips because you're taking your clothes off, right? And we learn about the money and and we don't get any of that in the second movie, but in the second movie, we spend a lot more time with all of the other dancers besides Mike. And in doing so, I think we really uncover some pretty interesting stuff about sexuality and especially male sexuality and masculinity because these guys have learned to treat women with respect ask them questions about themselves, be genuinely interested in what they're doing. And so when we hear these guys talking about their relationships, we see bits of that. And so in the interactions they're having with women, there's there's one that is at first glance could seem pretty inappropriate, right? So they're all, in, when they're, in, they're on Molly and they're in this bus ride and their Magic Mike says to them that, hey, let's not do all the old 80s male stripping routines we did before. Let's like actually put ourselves out there. Let's do male entertainment that represents who we are. But one of the guys, um, Rick, 
I think is his name. He uh, is like, well, all I am is a male entertainer. That That's all I want to be. That's all I want to do. And so they stop at a gas station as they're having this conversation while they're uh, rolling on Molly. And by the way, some of the best, in, you know, acting while pretending to be under the influence of Molly I've ever seen in any movie. I think they totally, totally nail it. Um, and so they're stopping at this gas station and there's a woman in the gas station, you know, the cashier, and she's on her phone and she looks very dour. And so they decide that uh, Rick, in order to really feel this, feel himself in terms of wanting to be a male entertainer, he's going to go in there and make this woman smile, right? So you can immediately say, well, you know what? Fuck him. He doesn't, he doesn't know this lady at all. He doesn't, it's not his obligation to make her smile or anything else. But he goes in there and uh, I want it that way is playing on the, uh, the, <laughs> the stereo in the store, in the gas station. And he begins to strip basically and it ends up with him you know he's up against the and she slowly notices him looks up from her phone notices him and he's you know up against the water cooler and he takes a water bottle out and then he rubs it on his shirtless you know greek god musculature and then he (laughs) sprays the water all over his face and then he goes up and asks how much the water was and she smiles and laughs and all the other guys their faces are pressed up against the window of the gas station looking in and they're all sweaty because they're high and they all start cheering and stuff um, and I just thought that that was, if you, if you, if you remove all the ridiculousness of this is a movie about male strippers, right? That was a really interesting dive into the feelings of a side character, right? Like we really spent some time to what's, what's Rick about. And we end up doing that with all of the characters, right? The one guy wants to do frozen yogurt. Um, the other guy wanted to do singing and they all, and, and, and Tarzan turns out he loves painting. Um, and so all of that gets incorporated into their acts, but it's a lot of time we spend developing these side characters and learning about them. Um, And in doing so, we get to hear them talk about their job, which is inherently about sexuality, right? That's exactly what they're selling. And they, they talk about it in a way that I think maybe, Hank, this is why you thought this movie might be a little gross, right? This may be, they may see the the seedy underbelly of of, uh, sexual entertainment. Um, but I think, in fact, the things the guys say and the way they look at it is that they are guys whose sole job is to look hot for women, and yet they don't have any of these stereotypical broy douchey mm-hmm. ideas of women that we would expect. Um, and I, I just, I just thought that was. I, I don't know if they were trying to do this, but I thought it was really, really interesting. If you give the movie more seriousness than it, it gives itself, I think there's some stuff there that's that's, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. No. I. I think I can buy into a lot of that, you know, like, I don't think you've said anything completely unreasonable, but I think one thing that's kind of interesting about the movie is, you know, it, it might not technically be under the, uh, the umbrella of, of sex work, uh, male stripping, you know, like, because there's not like, a you know, explicit sexual acts being, you know, you know, it's more of the implication. So I don't know if people consider it sex work, but if you do, and I kind of do, because, you know, you're getting naked for someone's, you know, enjoyment theoretically you know potentially their arousal you know there's kind of an element of sex work to it um this movie's interesting because you don't see a lot of positive portrayals of anyone in the sex work industry in american media at least um and this movie you know like it like it kind of glamorizes it probably to some extent you know like i don't think every stripper yeah. in the world is like having like this really like you know fun tour with their boys where nothing bad really happens to anyone like i don't think that's the case but they do portray these people that are 
in uh, like uh, some level of sex worker with you know like they all they're all real people like they're not like completely beleaguered by their lot in life like it's not like being a stripper is the worst thing that's ever happened to these people it's just a job that they took they're good at it they have like positive views about what they're doing for people and i thought it was kind of a refreshing take on sex work because like i said I, I was expecting to go in and be like look at how this ruins their lives look at how morally depraved these strippers are taking their clothes and it wasn't like that at all um <laughs> and i thought that was like cause, you know like strippers need some love too you know like if people go yeah. to see strippers you know it, it, like you know i like r- regardless of how you feel about sex work but you know like they're all people you know like and so it's kind of nice to see them portrayed in some way that's not just like here's all the worst things about what they have to do um, because i don't think that you know it's it's like anything like it doesn't need to be as terrible as a lot of other pieces of american media make it out to be like a lot of those bad things are because of you know other things going on in the culture or the way it interacts with the law but this movie was kind of a refreshing take on a on on, on kind of like a certain type of sex work specifically male sex work which i think you you hear less about in general yeah keegan uh, excuse me i keep doing that transverse pecs what do you think do you are you picking up what i'm putting down yeah, no, 100%. I think, uh, again, while I am just, again, kind of a wet towel, I'm not super in love with this movie, the things that you guys are talking about, like this very kind of, it appears at first to be a surface level exploration, but ultimately is like this deeper conversation about where these, these men see their careers going and, and what kind of aspect they provide to the, to these women, uh, I think was really interesting. And I think, you know, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie that was kind of subversive to what we're used to seeing and interesting that we were talking about Marvel earlier is like switching so much of what we see in a lot of Hollywood movies is focused on the male gaze and a lot of female characters are often overly sexualized right like we have Black Widow in the Avengers like sure she can fight and whatever but the way that she fights is obviously very over sexualized and uh, in a way that straight men or, or you know gay women can obviously get a lot more enjoyment out of that isn't necessary for that character and i think this movie does a great job of shifting that and being from the perspective of female gays and really like highlighting how amazing these guys are in and the role that they fill for those women not only by obviously looking godlike in their physique but also the way that they are attentive to these women and really do throw a lot of the, themselves into this career as well um I think one of the best scenes in the entire movie is when they're driving with, and I forget his name, but Childish Gambino's character, and they're all, like, maybe a little bit drunk, but they're all kind of working through their position on their careers, and they're, like you guys had said, like, they're they're saying they're one of the only men in these women's lives to ask how their day's going or how they are, and that means a lot to these women that come out to see them. Um, And so, again, I, I think these are, like, pretty heady conversations for what is a sequel to kind of a goofy comedy um and i think both movies tackle pretty interesting perspectives of like male sex work um while i didn't connect with it really well and i think the road trip stuff was a little bit weaker than seeing the actual like athleticism behind the performance uh i can still definitely appreciate that a lot of these topics are handled in a way that is more like respectful and kind of careful than I would have anticipated from a movie that in my head I would have tied very much to those 21, 22 Jump Street movies that are just pure schlock comedies, right? Like yeah. this is, it gives a little, quite a bit more respect to this underlooked 
career than I would have expected. So I, I did really like that side of it. You know, in a lot of ways, the movie gives more dignity to things than it really had to, right? So that very scene you're talking about, Childish Gambino and um, I forget the, the name of the, the stinging guy, the other guy. Uh, Ken. Um, but Ken, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> uh, well, they're, they're talking about them trying to launch, you know, music careers. The both of them, Ken, you know, a couple of years ago, Childish Gambino now. And when they talk about it, they're like, what's your plan? He's like, well, you know, I got an EP coming out and just kind of putting it on MySpace, or the Internet, and just hoping something happens. But it's so hard these days. And that they didn't need to add that much realism. Cause I can imagine or I've I've heard friends of mine trying to get into music and that's basically what they yeah, would say. Uh, can I can right? I jump in here as the resident musician? Yeah, yeah. yeah that conversation yeah. <laughs> in particular was really interesting to me because they were really real about kind of the life of a young musician uh in a way that i didn't expect you know like similarly i didn't expect the movie to feel as wholesome as it did you know it kind of had like a look at male stripping that i didn't necessarily expect but they were also really real with the music um you know childish gambino's character andre he's talking about like having an ap you know just trying to get it out there he puts stuff online um you know every young rapper producer musician has done that soundcloud phase i've done that soundcloud phase we've all put shit out online you can't get people to listen to it um you know and he knows that wait speaking of which uh where can people find you on SoundCloud? um you can check out uh my old band pants on soundcloud there i think it's pants the band uh if you if you look them up you can also look out my current musical duo friends with benefits that's friends w forward slash benefits um and then if you want some more like experimental deep hits you know like just what's hank uh, what's hank doing in his free time uh i have an account called mr hanky um so anyway <laughs> all that is to say you know i've done the soundcloud thing i get it people don't usually go out and search it out so you know i got what childish gambino's character was saying but then ken talks about his music experience and at first i thought he was setting up a joke but then i realized he was just being really real about like what trying to be up and coming in the music industry is like and he was like you know i started writing music um i got a job singing at i think he said disney world or disneyland and that's such like yeah. a real like, like it sounds like he's setting up a joke because you're like oh that's not a real music job but those are the jobs that are out there for musicians that want to make a career of it you know if you get like a house band for a hotel or a casino like that's a real job and it's like everyone thinks about these musicians that write their own music you like you hear their name everywhere and that's like such a small minority and just hearing this guy be like yeah you know i i, I got a spot at disneyland and that was like a, a regular paying job like that's kind of a, a holy grail for 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 a musician you know like a, a regular paying job that uses your musical talents even if it's not like the the key thing that's driving your creativity um and so kind of hearing him be like yeah you know like i got that and that was a good opportunity it was really refreshing because like normally you just hear about that sort of stuff is like completely soul-sucking and it definitely can be that to an extent but there are also some people who are like i just want a job where i can be musical use my musical musical talents and if you want that sort of a job that's kind of the sort of thing that's out there for you you know like doing music for commercial spots doing music at a, a, a resort or a casino that sort of stuff and that that kind of look at it wasn't something i was expecting from magic mike double xl oh. yeah it had no it had no right to, to have such a real uh conversation about what it's like to try to be a young professional musician right and yet it's in there and i think there's little moments like that throughout this whole movie where 
there's there's little bits of, of, of realness that add a seriousness to it that I don't think the movie needs necessarily, but I'm I I really enjoyed picking up on those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that was probably one of my favorite aspects of the movie because, you know, I've, I've talked a number of times about it feeling unexpectedly wholesome. And I think that a lot of that is because, you know, it looks at these kind of underexplored facets of life and it looks at them like very honestly, uh, but also not with a, uh, you, you know, like I feel like a lot of filmmakers want to be like, look how this is bad. Like this should make you feel something. But instead, this is like, you know, this is the person that's living it. This is how they feel about it. They don't feel that bad about it. They they choose to continue, you know, pursuing that lifestyle or they have plans to get out of it that are, you know, fairly concrete. Like it's just like a, a fairly honest and not too like, you know, brightly or darkly tinged view on these things like male strippers, uh, you know, musicians that are trying to be up and coming just completely unexpected yeah and yeah and the way that the movie does it is that you know the um ken's friends when he mentioned that he had had um it was earlier actually i think around the bonfire when ken mentioned that that commercial he had done and his friends were all supportive of a you know no-name commercial he did years ago because that was the one of the biggest things in his portfolio and his friends were all like hell yeah man like supportive of it and that again, this like little hidden wholesomeness, like you're talking about, Hank. Um, so that that's kind of that's kind of my pitch. That if if you're trying to look for a replacement for for toxic masculinity, um, where you're embracing the idea that men can have a positive sexuality, I don't think you can. I mean, you can do a lot worse than starting with Magic Mike XXL, right? Like it's not a you know, once people are old enough, it's not a bad thing to show them to be like, yeah, you can be a hot and sexy guy uh, and not be a total douche yeah and you know like even as as a man that has sexuality you know i won't go too much into it but you know like i'm i'm a man (laughs) i have sexuality and you know like i've seen people that look like the strippers in this movie you know and they've you know in real life sometimes been like kind of douches and uh, in in media i always expect them to be portrayed as such but the thing is they're not always douches so it's nice to see them being essentially a group of nice boys you know, like, because they're out there. There are nice boys out there, kind of regardless of their sexuality or their outward appearance. Um, you know, and obviously there, there are nice girls out there, too. But, you know, like, I, I feel like often, you know, when you have, like, a super sexed up man in a movie, he's portrayed to be some sort of a threat or something. Yeah. And it's nice to see these guys. They're not a threat to anyone. You know, they're very respectful of the women around them. There are men like that. You know, like, they might be too few and far between. But, like, there are men like that, even men that that look as you know huge and greek godlike as 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 the men in this movie and so i thought it was kind of refreshing just seeing them not using male sexuality as like a threat or like a dark side um because it doesn't need to be and uh you know i i think that for people or for men specifically like who kind of use it in that way you know kind of use it like like this kind of dangerous thing just fuck off you know uh just just (laughs) be a nice boy like in magic mike double xl I will say though that they're all they are all ripped though. That does seem to be the price of admission to be a, a male entertainer. Is you got you got to be stacked. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's just nice to see that absolutely. you can be stacked and uh, not also be the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's not it's weird, but that's that's a rare thing to see in a yeah. movie. Yeah, Keegan, you're you haven't said you- much. I think you guys have convinced me. I think I might have been a little bit too hard on the movie. I think there are some pretty interesting 
you know points that you guys have brought up one thing and, and i guess maybe this doesn't apply as much to hank if you haven't seen the first movie but for taylor one of the biggest disservices this movie does is it kind of writes off its biggest like comedic actors so first of all dallas is not in the movie at all yeah and matthew mcconaughey's dallas is an absolute staple of the first movie he has you know so much charisma he's so it's so enjoyable to watch on screen his like his absence is very much felt and then uh, like a third of the way through the movie you write gabriel iglesias out and i get that it's in service of having these more kind of serious conversations between the guys and i I do appreciate that those conversations are being had but man it really it does suck to write out two of my favorite characters from the first movie and like i agree that we're checking in with these more minor side characters right so rick you know he opens up a lot about like how he you know he sees these girls and he has trouble connecting sexually with them because he's too large and they're intimidated by him and it's it's something that actually kind of hurts him and you know later throughout the movie that's something that's more talked about when he finds the the older woman that they stay with um but i think the movie does a big disservice by not exploring tarzan's character a little bit more right like we get the young singer we get rick we get a little bit of the the one brown guy in the movie but not too much but i feel like tarzan's a pretty they set him up as being a pretty complex character we find out right before the finale that he served in desert storm and that he actually has this like deep deep love and affiliation for channing tatum's character but that's it just really feels like hey he's the older guy we're just gonna throw him in the back um and I, I really wish of all the characters that he was the one that got a little bit more of a story arc in that second and third act. I don't, I don't know how you guys felt about, about Tarzan's character. Yeah, Tarzan, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I, I felt like, especially like kind of dropping the hints, like they, they, they are like, he's really artistic. Look at him do art in all these different mediums. But then they don't really explore mm-hmm. it. It's just kind of something we assume he can do. And then similarly, like, you know, Desert Storm, they kind of drop it. and It's kind of a punchline. It's like, how have I not known you were in Desert Storm? And it's almost it's almost like, yeah. uh, you know, they had the character behind the scenes and they just never picked a time to unveil him. And, you know, they're, yeah. they're like, I would have loved to know more about him. There's part of me that's like, you know, maybe, you know, he, he, he's he's shown to be a quiet guy. He's, you know, he does like that never came up line. Um and you know like there's part of me that's like you know maybe it's intentional you know quiet guys like maybe he just maybe the character didn't want to reveal all of that about himself but i feel like they could have still shown a way found a way to show it um without doing a disservice to kind of that aspect of him so i I think i kind of agree with you i would have liked to see more of him uh i would have liked to see more of uh more of uh childish gambino's character uh, Andre, you know, he kind of came in, he was cool, and then, you know, he he remained there, but he remained in the background for the rest of the film. Um, but I, I think I see what you say. You know, like like they 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 had these really cool kind of explorations of a few characters, but like you know, they could have cut Amber Heard out of the movie and done like yes, a little bit more God, Tito, absolutely. a little bit a little bit more Rome, even you know, like yeah. Rome, or, who's who played Rome? Uh, remind me her name. Uh, Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. Smith. Yeah, you know, like, she she pretty much killed it. She did a great job as Rome, you know, like, uh, a very charismatic MC. So why do we have Amber Heard doing, like, this, like, knockoff Bella from Twilight shtick? Like, I know, Jesus Christ. It's so bad. It's far and away the worst part of the entire movie. First 100%. of all, I mean, Taylor, you said this earlier, she doesn't need to be there. Like, first of all, we don't need 
Channing Tatum to have a love interest at all because it doesn't pan out. He just broke up. He just was about to propose to someone and then he broke up with her. We don't need him to immediately jump back into some toxic thing with Amber Heard. We just need a relationship with the boys. That's the whole premise of the movie is that it's him and his boys. Why do you have to introduce this actress who's A, not a very good actress, and B, in 2021 eyes, it's pretty gross to see her. I I think, like, with, with recent events, it's pretty gross to see her in, in a major role. But also, like, I don't think she introduces absolutely anything to the story of yeah, value. And, no, I think, I wonder if it was added later. Because if you think about every scene she's in, it's when Channing's doing stuff with everybody else, and then he leaves to he go steps away. to interact with her. And every single time... He goes time, to pee in a bush or to go get more, more wine. Yeah, and every time, there's more interesting stuff happening with the rest of the crew, right? Like, when they're in the fancy house... Uh, we come back and all of a sudden Ken is sitting on the lap of one of the older women singing to her because she hasn't felt love in so long, right? Like, I would rather watch that than Amber Heard roll her eyes and come up with stupid shit for five minutes. I mean... And eat freaking uh, red velvet yeah, cake. Disgusting. It's such a waste like, of time. Also, red <laughs> velvet, you know, get out of here. I don't want that shit. And, well, I don't, I don't want to take too much of a stance. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with <laughs> well, Channing and, here. Or I'm with Mike, I should say. Cookies all the way. Fuck red velvet. <laughs> well, so actually, you five. Uh, no, <laughs> Tyrannosaurus. Uh, the you earlier you mentioned the dialogue had some problems, and I think you're right. And I think it is mostly in the scenes between Amber and Channing. Um, they're doing this this weird, seemingly non-scripted but obviously scripted dialogue. A lot of ums, a lot of pauses, talking over each other. And it's 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 weird. It doesn't seem to fit, and that's kind of why I have this sneaking suspicion that that whole storyline must have been added late in the process. I could be totally wrong. It just seems like the first the first one, the first love interest, did a really good job of questioning what Channing was doing. Right, it served as a window into seeing his motivations as a character. Um, and this one, she added nothing. She literally added nothing. We yep. didn't learn anything new about uh, Magic Mike. She didn't have any interaction hardly with any other character. It was bizarre. Yeah, so, you know, like, I, one thing I want to cut in here, um, there, I actually have two things. One thing I'm going to cut in, cut in, one thing is a direct continuation of the Amber Heard debacle in Magic Mike Double itself. <laughs> but the first thing I want to cut in is, like, I, I always feel a little bit guilty whenever I'm just, like, railing on a female actor in a movie. And to be clear, I think, like, all the other women in this movie were actually really awesome. Uh, you know, like, Jada Pinkett Smith as Rome, very compelling. All the older women, they were only really bit parts. But, you know, like, honestly, fairly interesting characters. It was interesting hearing them describe their marital problems. They're all charismatic on screen. So, you know, I just want to be clear. This isn't coming from a, like, a, like you know, why is there a woman in my male stripper movie? It's not coming from there. <laughs> and the reason I, I preface with that, that is I think that you could just straight up cut out every scene with Amber Heard in the movie. Yes. Like, don't even explain it away. Just cut it out. The movie was a little bit overlong, in my opinion. It was around two hours. It didn't need to be two hours. And I think a significant amount of that runtime was just wasted on Amber Heard's character, just kind of muddying the mm-hmm. waters with Mike, you know, muddying the bro road trip. And then also, like we switched to her during that really interesting scene with the older women where they're all discussing their marital problems and the male strippers were able to kind of like help alleviate some of that. Uh, You know, Rick more directly 
by having sex with one of them but the, the other men even just by like <laughs> listening to them dancing for them you know like that's actually like a really interesting scene because it's something that like seems kind of gross at first blush but it's given like this kind of like this is healing this is wholesome which is like such an interesting take on that sort of thing like a bunch of like older women seeing a bunch of really sexy male strippers and just welcoming them into their home and instead we go over to Amber yeah. Heard. If you just cut out that whole sequence, it would have been just like that one really interesting room with the older women. And it would have been better because they wouldn't have wasted so much time being like, bread velvet cake. Oh, yeah, I like cook. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Like, I, I mean, I, I said I, I choose cookies, but in the context of the movie, like, why do we care? Like, she's, like, she doesn't end yeah. up being with Channing Tatum's character. She's like a, like a crowd selection for like uh the dance at the end the the other ones were actually pulled from the crowd they and it didn't detract from those other dances all the dances were really fantastic i didn't need there to be a character that had some prior relationship with mike there for it to be a really good final show i just i cannot fathom why and to be clear not just her as an actress but that entire character was even included in the yeah. movie like i think if you just like yeah. hard cuts at the scenes she was in the movie would be yeah. shorter and better for it um like would have lost absolutely 100 percent. and she doesn't have any relationship with so we we you know i guess we nominally are introduced to her because um a, another girl that one of the other dancers uh, has a relationship with is friends with her but they had just met those two girls had just met because this other girl is, was down in Miami and then she was like driving back to New York or something, right? So she literally has no relationship with anybody in the whole movie. It just seems so bizarre. Yeah. But that, that, that scene with the older women um, in the, the plantation mansion, um, I thought Andy McDowell stole that scene. I thought she was great. And I also loved that that was some of the most we got out of Tarzan, mm -hmm. right? So they're having this, she's, they're talking about how these women had not had many sexual experiences outside of their marriages. Um, and they're lamenting this and they're, you know, saying that these male strippers must have all the fun of the world. And Tarzan, who's the oldest of the male strippers, uh, who's been sitting there drinking his wine, tasting it, not saying anything, as he usually does. He says, well, you know, Nancy, that cuts both ways. I think I've done more than my fair share in my life, but I've never had a family, never had a child to come home to. And I would trade it all for that. And it was just, it was just like, that's what I'm saying that like this, if you give this movie more seriousness than it's asking for, there's little things like that, that are like that, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty heavy thing for him to say. Yeah. And then like, yeah. not to mention it, the, uh, I, I don't remember her name. You said Andy McDowell. She was the, the, yeah. the darker haired. Yeah. The main mom. Yeah. She was fantastic. Absolutely. Like the center of the scene, wherever she was like, she like had these unexpected twists and turns. Like first she seems like she's kind of grilling the guys. And then she's like, no, no, just kidding. Come into our home. And then she's like, what do you do for a living? And lets them continue. when she obviously knows they're male strippers and his daughter or her daughter says they're male strippers. And she goes, Oh, of course, like really entertaining character. A lot of like really unexpected stuff there. She absolutely killed it. And then like, Tarzan popping you know he has like that like one line in addition to like two other lines in the whole movie but he delivered it fantastically you know like really matched the tone of what the older women were saying about their relationships and I think he he brought it in without like really detracting from what they were saying you know he's just saying like here's the other side of the coin just so you're aware like fantastic scene really loved all the performances there and that was uh maybe one of my favorite scenes of the movie like I liked some of the more comedic bits but that scene in particular 
I thought was just masterfully done. It was also like social interaction porn um, because like it was fun to see people like laughing and uh, you know like having drinks together. I don't think it was intended that way, but since I haven't had drinks with anyone in like a year, um, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh my god, yes, I want that. <laughs> uh, Hank, there was also yeah, some was... fan service to you in the form of Rome because uh, I know you're a fan of ancient Rome. I don't know, a fan, but interested in ancient Rome. Um, and, you know, her club's name is Domina, and uh, her name's literally Rome, so they're beating you over the head with it. But she has a couple lines. I think she quotes somebody in there, some Roman mm-hmm. emperor in there somewhere. Did you did you feel like that was, was, was well done? Was it tasteful, or was her name being Rome too much? You know, I almost really liked it. Um, and I, I did I didn't I didn't plan to talk about this on air because I really liked you know the name of the house is great her being called Rome wasn't too much I liked it she like clearly knew stuff about the Roman Empire you know she talked about like relationships between like the people and the, the ruling class she named uh, all of her strippers except for Andre for some reason she named all of them after uh, Roman emperors there's like Octavius Augustus it was all really good oh that's right but the part that ruined it for me and this is totally pedantic so it didn't really ruin it for me i actually think her performance is great i think the character is fairly well written but in the last scene of the movie um during the dancing thing she's uh talking to the women in the room she's like my queens and i'm like okay that works um because there will never be a king in rome right that's like a huge thing in in roman history from like the republic period to the imperial period like the big thing is that they don't have anyone called a king taylor you know about this right Yeah. yeah yeah You can have a dictator have for a di- life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no one called a king. And so, like, I thought, like, the queen's thing was a fun play on that. It's like there's never a king. There's queens. It's kind of like a female empowerment thing. I thought that was cool. I missed that whole thing. That's but great. then she started talking about the male strippers, and she called them all kings. And I'm like, oh, you've lost yeah. it. You, you had this really cool thing set up with there never being a king in Rome. There's Rome. She's a queen. She has her queens. And then you start calling them all like the candy king. And I'm like, nope, it's ruined now. It's not like you don't need to call them kings. It would have been fine without that. And suddenly Rome is talking about kings in like a positive light, which, you know, really shouldn't be happening. So uh, I almost really liked it. Yeah. Okay. But if they had done that right, would, would you have thought that was just like a flawless way to talk about ancient Rome in a, in a very modern yeah, movie? If, if you'd just been like, my queens, I would have been like, yes, there's no king in Rome. Preach it. You know, but um... <laughs> anyway, that's my, uh, that's my hot take on Rome. Well, so that's, that's kind of all the big things I wanted to bring up. I'm sure it was probably more than you were expecting, uh, Tyrannosaurus. But is there is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we kind of give our final ratings? What I want to talk about real quick is a question for Tyrannosaurus Pex, which is just like, it, oh, no. I, you know, it shouldn't be too hard, but you know, like you came in kind of lukewarm. You're like, yeah, the dancing's great. The plotting didn't really catch you. I get that. But just like having this conversation, like, do you think that uh, Taylor's got like a good point like do you think the plotting like maybe accomplished even more than it was setting out to and it just kind of on a surface level appears kind of unexciting and uneventful or uh, are you still like eh, i'm not so sure uh no I, I i think like you guys have made great points that there's a lot of like a lot of ground covered in terms of like male sexuality the role of these of these you know male strippers and, and how they view themselves and, and the services that they provide to these women uh, I think it's really interesting and I think there's also one thing that we didn't bring up too much is like the relationship between men like it's seeing like very masculine men having close male 
relationships that aren't in any way kind of problematic or like you guys said had twisted in a way that are kind of villainous or against the plot or against the main characters i think is really interesting to just see a lot of guys being friends and supporting each other and working their way through the things that they had against each other and punch me in the stomach you know do you feel better no i don't feel better that was stupid (laughs) i think there's just like a lot of dumb honest like very realistic male relationship coverage in this movie that I really appreciated. I think I probably was a little bit too hard on this movie, and I don't know if I should tell you guys this. I had to watch the movie over two sittings because I just was I was really struggling to get into it. I stopped about forty minutes in, and I don't. I know that you guys like Taylor. You had said you had watched this with face masks and wine with your partner and a friend that's vaccinated. I think that's like a very apt setting to consume the, the movie. Well, in. it's a group movie like, for I, sure. <laughs> It's definitely a movie that's enjoyed better in a group. I watched this on my laptop sitting on the couch. Like, I I think the experience of watching it was just still, I'm a little lukewarm on, but I agree. I think these, like, these topics of male sexuality, male friendships, and, and the things that are, like, talked about in that way are, are really, really special and really important. I don't think I'm ever going to watch the movie again, but like you guys had said, if, if you want a movie to introduce these topics of what these guys are and how they, they work through it throughout the movie, it's it's a pretty good movie to show to someone for those topics, but eh, it, it just didn't really click with me. So yeah. I don't, it's it's not a movie that I'm going to fight you guys over, <laughs> but it's, it's not a movie that I'm going to ever add to a list or like, I champion and love this movie. It's just... Again, it's it's a really okay movie for me. I mean, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I can live with yeah, that. Yeah, I can live with that too. Um, and I feel like one thing that we, yeah. I don't know if I'd say glossed over, but also the eye candy in the movie, like it's fantastic. All the like, Redonkulous. you know, like e- even if yeah. you're not feeling the movie that much, like I can't believe Keegan that you were watching these guys and you're like, oh, that's boring to look at because it's done. <laughs> <laughs> No, I and so I mean every scene with the guy stripping is just insane. And I think the best sequence in the entire movie is when they go to Rome's whole club and they're just room to room, performance to performance, watching these guys excel at what they do. And like I don't think we brought it up in this review, but Channing Tatum used to be a male stripper before he got into show business. Like that is that was his trade before he got into acting. So like these guys have real passion behind it. Like there's a lot these guys are all trained in this right like and we're, we're getting to see like the top of the class excelling at what they do in this movie it's absolutely ridiculous through and through i will say it's great how tarzan can't dance though yeah. he, he does like a lot of his dancing <laughs> is just him moving his arms and his legs not doing anything which is just like the first taking one. his shirt off yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess one more thing that i'll throw in there that i i like on the amber heard part i'll i'll kind of steal hank's intro about how there are some really great female performances here and i think the older women specifically talking about their marriage is really interesting but as far as the whole amber heard thing like for me personally whenever we're having these conversations about more uh i don't know if i love this word but more problematic actors or performers like if they are contributing a lot to their given medium i think i can give it not necessarily a pass but i think like that's where the split between art and artist really comes into play for me right like r kelly's Mm. an absolute piece of shit burn in hell whatever every time remix to ignition comes on i'm gonna lose my fucking mind okay like it's a great song despite the fact that r kelly's a piece of shit whatever you think about michael jackson and his relationship to those kids it's regardless a little gross to me but he had some really great contributions to pop music and i think amber heard is not that actress like (laughs) 
she has some pretty egregious accusations against her and she's not a good actress in any way or doesn't contribute much to the movie in any way that makes me want to be like oh it's okay she's you know she's she's knocking it out of the park it's just like double gross in my mind like i don't like her as an actress and i also just don't really like her as her role i i don't know yeah no i mean i think last last podcast we talked about mel gibson right and so there's plenty yeah. of valid things to say to criticize mel gibson about but you can't say the man doesn't know story arc right like yeah. he makes some damn good movies even if in his personal life he has and you know it's alcoholism and Robert Downey Jr. forgave him, so maybe I should too, whatever. I mean, like, you know, I don't want to get too off track on Mel Gibson, but, you know, man makes fantastic movies. Also kind of a garbage person. And not not, not in, like, not <laughs> yeah. like he's a garbage man and he does a really valuable service for, <laughs> for society. Like, he is he's kind of a, a piece of garbage person, you, you know. But, uh, yeah. you know, like, yeah. maybe some people forgive him. You know, that's, that's kind of between them and him. But, you know, everything I've seen from him is, like, fairly unapologetically terrible. Um, some of his movies incorporate pieces of that. I know that uh, certain Jewish peoples have problems with like the his depiction of the passion, um, but you know, still like it, it can be hard to not watch his movies if you're a lover of film because he does do some really impressive shit. Um, yeah. And that's just yeah. not the case for and Amber Heard. Is not yeah. that? Yeah, she's not that person. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so I think I think that's we, we covered almost everything in the movie. Um, are you ready for final final ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, who wants to go first? Shivers? All Hex? right, I'll go first. This is uh, Long John Shivers. Um, and I think that I would give this movie, surprisingly to me, like 10 juicy buns out of 11. <laughs> Ooh, pretty high. I If I had to give this a rating, I... Man, against my better judgment, I would give this a 10 clenched Molly Jaws out of 19. <laughs> oh, not e- barely 50%. Yep. Just All right. We're right All on right. that 52 margin. Hey, I love that for you. Live your truth, baby. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to foster that kind of that male broship that they had in uh, Magic Mike here, right? Actually, so this is... If you've listened this far to the podcast, you're about to hear some real hot stuff because rotating reels, once the pandemic's over and everybody's vaccinated and everything's more or less back to normal, <laughs> uh, Shivers and I are road tripping to where um, Pex lives. And where Pex lives, maybe by happenstance or maybe due to his review of this movie and what we've learned about him, there are a lot of male strip clubs. We are going to have a rotating reels male entertainer journey. And I don't know if it's because of this movie, but I think this movie is definitely going to inform that. So with that given, I am going to give this, ooh, I think I'm going to go two out of two dollar bills because that's what they make you tip at a strip club because they had to get you. I think this movie is, it's not flawless, but it did way more than it set out to do. I think the fact that Channing Tatum produced this is is just great feather in his cap um and if you're interested in these topics in a very silly setting check it out you're not gonna and if you like the image of, of a muscular man definitely check this movie out you're gonna get more than your fair share of that sofia vergara is just the luckiest woman on planet earth <laughs> yeah i mean I, yeah you know if, if i could have a date with channing um you know Haley would have to deal with it but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so shivers what are we uh, what are we watching next all week? right 
another oh, B week. So yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lead up to this just to to you know titillate you guys. But so uh, you know just a <laughs> quick shout out to the beginning of the show. As we mentioned, um, we're not going to be doing an A week next week. It's going to be B week. It's going to be Shivers week. Um, <laughs> and uh, the reason for that is because we had a movie picked out for A week. Uh, its release was pushed back a little bit, but we still really want to do it. And it's not going to be eligible for an A week much longer. You know, it won't be a recent release. Everyone else will have talked about it. So we're just going to wait on the A week because it's a movie we want to watch. And you might have figured out what movie it is just by the fact that it's releasing this week and it's been delayed. But, you know, we'll leave that to our more uh, studious viewers. But so anyway, <laughs> B week next week, it's going to be Shivers week, which means we're going someplace scary. Now, I had, a, I had a difficult time picking this week, mostly because uh, I realized that I was going to be picking this week like 20 minutes before we filmed. And I was like, <laughs> what do I do? You know, like I, I, I can do a horror classic. The guys may or may not have seen it, but it's going to be a horror classic. We know I'm going to love it. We know they're going to love it. Um, and I thought like, you know, I can do something really out there something like really transgressive you know i can pick out like one of the serbian films or the solos of the uh of the horror you know repertoire but i decided you know it's a bit early for that i you know it's a bit early to to take them there so instead i'm picking something that i think is interesting uh more for production reasons than because of the subject matter i'm picking a movie that is uh maybe not I mean, I don't think there's an argument that it's like an intensely quality movie, but it's a real trip to watch. And I can almost guarantee that almost no one from our viewership has seen it. I have picked out Ooh. 2017's The Evil Within, directed by Andrew Getty of the Getty Oil Dynasty. Um, so this movie, <laughs> you know, I'll read the, the, the blurb real quick uh, from IMDb. Uh, it reads, The sadistic tale of a lonely, mentally handicapped boy who befriends his reflection in an antique mirror. This demonic creature orders him to go on a murderous rampage to kill the people he loves most. Um, so anyway, I don't want to say too much more about the plot beyond that, but I will talk a little bit about the production. I'll give a more full-featured overview uh, next time. So principal photography for this movie lasted over five years of real time, which is an absurdly oh long time for principal photography. What? The entire movie was written, directed, and edited by Andrew Getty, who, as I previously mentioned, is one of the heirs to the uh, Getty Oil Dynasty. Uh, the movie was funded with oil money. It wasn't produced uh, through any major production company. Getty handled it. He handled a lot of the technical aspect himself, having no prior experience in the field. Um, <laughs> and so the movie's got a bunch of weird stuff that uh, you, you haven't seen anywhere else. It's, seen, it's got some weird like in-camera effects. Um, obviously the actors age because principal photography took five years it's bizarre during production of the movie uh, Andrew Getty developed a crystal meth addiction um, I think some of that shows oh and he died the year before it released um, oh my god yeah <laughs> does this have any relation to the mo the video game no Evil it does Within? not um, but anyway, okay. I think that uh, it's, it's really a movie you have to see to talk about. I'm going to encourage uh, any of our audience that are interested in watching next week's episode, definitely watch it before you listen, um, because it's, it's really out there. I feel like you won't understand the weirdness if you haven't seen it with your own eyes. Um, there, are, there is some problematic content in the movie if that's going to be troublesome for you. Uh, I don't think its depiction of the mentally handicapped is 
uh, it's not it's not the most problematic depiction there has been, but you know it's not the most aptly handled. Um, and then there is you know some amount of uh, you know explicit imagery in the movie. Uh, you know that comes along with all horror movies. So you know if you're particularly sensitive to these things, might not be the movie for you. But for anyone else, go check it out. Come back to us next week. It's a weird one. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be fun. Um, and with that, that's oh, yeah. all I've got to say for this week. Uh, Long John Shivers out. Well, this is Taylor Taylor Moan and uh, Tyrannosaurus Pex. We're signing off too. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> <laughs>